for our feature interview this week. I'm delighted to have on the show a teammate from the last couple of years with the Irish mountain running team, Zach Hanna. What a spectacular couple of years Zach has had. Zach was a very talented junior cyclist um, who was on numerous podiums in cycling races all around the country. And thankfully for us mountain runners, he switched over to mountain running. And boy, has he had some spectacular results over the last couple of years. He's been top 20 in Europe and he's had some outstanding results in the World Championships as well. He was sixth in the World Mountain Running Association's World Cup last year as well. And he's not a bad cross-country runner either, claiming the National Novice cross-country title in December 2018 as well. He's a Salomon athlete and I'm delighted to have him on the show. So let's dial in Zach Hanna. Zach, you're very welcome to Trail Running Ireland. How's it going, mate? I'm good, Owen. Thanks for having me. Glad to be on. Zach, an absolute pleasure to have you on. Certainly, in my opinion and in the opinion of many, the undisputed number one mountain runner in Ireland over the last couple of years, certainly in the shorter course races anyway. So uh, great to have you on, Zach. Thank you. Zach, we'll get into maybe all of those fantastic performances over the last four or five years, and maybe in the second half of the interview. But let's get straight into it because... You're back from an incredible racing weekend in Malono, in northern Italy, in the mountains of Valca Monica, um, competing against a lot of the best runners from Europe and a lot of the big, strong Italian runners as well, who, who are the, one of the powerhouses in world mountain running. How did the weekend go for you, Zach? It, it went very well. It was it actually went better than what I thought it was going to. Um, I was... I was nervous going out to race because one, it had been so long since I had been raced in the continent, and two, it was my second race back after the whole lockdown. And even still, I, I knew myself I was in sort of half decent shape, and it's hard to, to gauge where exactly where you are. I think going into a race like that, especially over two days, I had never raced back to back before, so. It was going into the unknown of how to how to recover and prepare in between two very very tough races, you know. But sure. yeah, very very happy with how everything went. Um, well, in case the listeners don't know, Zach, you had a, an incredible result on the Saturday in the vertical kilometer race where you came third in the what was called the Pitts Tree vertical race over 3.4 kilometers and just over a thousand meters of elevation gain. Um, what made you decide, Zach, to go for the back-to-back races on Saturday and Sunday? What Was it just the excitement of getting back racing internationally again? Uh, well, I, I had seen, uh, I, I've heard stories about the race from last year and previous years, and always, I always knew that it was it involved two races. And in my mind, it was sort of, I'm going out deadly here. I may as well make the most of it and get two races in while I can. And yeah. at the minute, I would say the VK was probably the race that was going to suit me more compared to the long race on the Sunday. But I've and in a way, it was excitement as well, getting to do two races, you know, because it sort of lets you know that it shows you that your body can cope with racing back-to-back if it ever had to be done. And, uh, yeah, because of my first time actually doing that race, it was, even though there, it was quite restricted in what they could do with the whole COVID-19 
Uh, restrictions, they still managed to pull off a fantastic weekend of racing and uh, really, really glad that I travelled out it. Well, you had that great third place on the Saturday. What did you do, Zach, on Saturday night to help you recover for Sunday? Because on the Sunday you had a 21k against some of the top, top Italian runners who, who we, as we said at the top of the interview, they're world-renowned for how good they are. You have the Di Matteis twins, Francisco Pupi, who, who won the race as well. So what was Saturday night like for you after getting the fantastic third? After the VK, I was still a bit unsure of how to go about the whole recovery process. But coming from my past experiences in cycling where I've done, I sort of just took on some of the things that I learned from when I was doing the cycling. And essentially it was straight away some food and was straight away you're, you're refueling for them. And it was, uh, we had to walk back to our, our car to get left back down into Milano. So because we were at the top, we walked down, we actually walked, we didn't run because of the, we knew that the running downhill would really, really trash the legs. So we walked where I did start by the end of the walk, my legs didn't feel as tired as what they maybe would have if I had run. And when we got back to our, our hostel, we we were we got lunch and as well I went I think I got some more food inside me and uh, I actually went to sleep for ninety minutes. I just done a bit of an afternoon nap, which and whenever I woke up felt quite sluggish but I then waited a few hours I just done some light stretching and just walked about uh, around the outside of the hostel and then in the evening after dinner I went for a walk back down into the town as they were there in the, in the middle of Milano there's a memorial like a, a wall of fame for the past winners of the race and they were putting on the the names of last year's winners for the male and female races so I went down to watch that ceremony being, being done. And as well, just as a spur of the moment, I had some ice cream. I don't know whether that had an effect on how I raced the next day or what. But uh, yeah, it was fairly simple. There's nothing too exciting was done to help me recover. Uh, I think it was just more stuff that you would normally do, regardless of if you were racing the next day or not. One of the things that you said there, I thought was very important that you didn't just stay in your room. And you didn't just stay lying on your bed or lying on the sofa, that you got up and you walked around. And I've heard a, a lot of runners saying that, that after races or after hard training sessions, the best recovery is um, just to go for a walk, just to get the blood flowing and get the legs moving. And the next day, you'll feel a lot better. And uh, by the sounds of it, that's what happened for yourself, Zach. You came out the next day. Um, one of your longest races, if not your longest race over the mountains, 21K, and you knocked out a super fifth just behind the former European champ, Martin Di Matthias, and well ahead of his brother, Bernard, who has also been on numerous international championship podiums. So I'm sure it must have been uh, nice to take his scalp, although I don't think it's the first time that you've taken a scalp. Yeah, I just made sure that I got a very good breakfast into me. I sort of planted bananas and I also, I don't normally do this, but I had actually a, a recovery drink before the race to help sort of, I don't know whether it's advisable to do that or not, but it was more so for me to help the muscles get that bit more recovery in before the race because the race started at 9.30 and this was at 6am so 
I think it was to help the muscles per for another bit of a pattern. But yeah. as I say, even during my warm up, I was I done a twenty minute warm up with strides and stretching, and I still didn't know how the legs would feel. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't feel tired. They didn't feel fresh. They just felt sort of in between. <laughs> it was. I was still nervous. Even on the start line, I was very, very nervous. Didn't know how. I knew it was going to be a fast start because it was quite flat running through the time before we hit the first couple of hills. But yeah, it was. It was a very good race. The, the, we climbed for about fifty minutes, fifty, fifty-five minutes, and then the descent was just very, very fast. Well, listen, it sounded like it was a great raid in the mountains of northern Italy over the weekend, Zach, and it certainly turned a lot of heads back back in Ireland with the third and the fifth place. But just like, was it a difficult decision at all for you to travel over to northern Italy, given given what's happened in the last couple of months with COVID-19? I wouldn't say it was a difficult decision. It was, it was just a case of, right... There's no Italy's in the in the green list for traveling. They seem to have uh, tackled everything well for in terms of precautions and keeping everyone safe. And as well, in my opinion, I would not have never have been invited to the race if the organizers didn't think that it was safe to bring international athletes over. But it was it wasn't just my concern. I did have friends and family who were concerned with me traveling. But uh, I think in in the in the Grand scheme of things, you're all you're. I'm at a bigger, I'm at a big risk going into work every day and not just going to Italy. So, when up the options, I was I wanted to race and I felt that I'd been long enough at home without doing anything, any racing or traveling. So, I I was fairly confident going out. I wasn't nervous about um, other people because I kind of knew that Italy would be quite strict and measures of wearing a mask and sanitizing your hands and social distancing so yeah it was, in, a, in a way it was an easy decision to go uh, but one I don't regret Well was there any um, COVID-19 protocols that were in place around race day I think I read in one of the race reports for example that for the first 500 metres the athletes had to wear masks Yes, that's right. Um, when we were dropped, when we when we were lifted in the minibus to go to the race, there's only a certain amount allowed in the minibus, and everyone yeah. sat in their own seat and wearing a mask. And when we got uh, this is on Saturday morning for the VK, which started in quite a very very small hamlet of houses, so it was quite everyone was quite close together, but the organisers were keeping everyone apart, and where everyone had to wear a mask within the start finish and within the start line, sorry, and Whenever everyone was lining up behind the tape for the st- before the start, they'd done an elite athlete introduction. So they called all the elite athletes through one at a time just as an introduction. And we were set into, it was like a Formula One grid at the, on the start line. Okay. Where maybe you, were, you were one metre apart and you were placed on a line. They had a grid set out for all the athletes. So I was, I was in the second row with three other athletes and... Everyone was well distanced, so there's no problem in that way. And yes, as you say about the the mask, as soon as you hit, it wasn't quite as far as 500 meters. It was maybe two, 250 meters. The mask came off, and you wrapped it around your arm, and you had to keep it on you until you got to the finish line. Okay. And once you're over, yeah. once you got over the finish line, straight back on again. And spectators as well along the course all wearing masks. 
Okay, very good. Yeah, so it wasn't just a case of throwing the mask on the ground or whatever. Very clever, very practical solution. Stick it on your wrist and um, keep it with you until you get to the finish line. So as you got to the finish line, Zach, did you have to put the mask on as you were crossing the finish line? No. No, that wasn't one of the, uh, that was not part of the instructions. We weren't told that. It was a case of you get over the line and once you're able to set up and maybe take in what you've actually done, you're they just they were just saying you go pointing at your face to put your mask on. Okay. And okay. You, you weren't allowed um you weren't allowed to be in within the finish line. Once you had finished your race, you had to leave the, the finish area and you weren't allowed back until unless you were going up onto the podium. And when we were called forward for the podium, we were all wearing our masks and we were presented with our trophies by everyone was wearing a mask as well and it's probably one of the strangest podium photos I've ever been involved in. Everyone wearing every, like you know the top five in both the Saturday and Sunday races all wearing a mask. You can't actually see anyone smiling to show how happy they are. They are. It's quite surreal in a way. Yeah, and given everything that happened Zach over the weekend, um, say over the next couple of months, I, I presume that you'd be okay to to travel and to race internationally. <laughs> Did anything put you off off racing internationally, or now that you've done it once, you'll happily do it again? I would happily do it again. I'm actually planning on going back out in three weeks' time, believe it or not. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's when you see how the Italians have, like, they probably suffered the worst out of all the countries over the last few months. So, when you see how the, the measures they are taking to make sure it doesn't happen again, there's a reassurance. They give you the reassurance that, look, we are safe. As long as you listen to our rules and go by our guidelines, you're more than welcome to come along and just you know, use some common sense in a way. Yeah, there was no requirement um, to do a COVID-19 test or anything like that, no? No. Um, when, you, when I entered Milan Airport, we got off the plane and they took your temperature. And as well, before I travelled, I got an email from the from the Ryanair regarding forms because they knew I was travelling in Italy. I had to fill in a contact tracing form. Okay. And when I got the passport control, they looked at my passport and they asked me where I had been in the last two weeks, and I had to give my form over. It was the same coming back into Dublin. I had to ask. They asked me where I had been, where I was going to stay, and plus I had to also give another form into. The Dublin authorities. Okay, and as you said, you were coming from Italy on the green list, so um, you can happily get back out training and training with your running buddies if you want. No fourteen-day uh, movement restriction uh, requirement there. Um, but like just before you went to Italy, you had a super race in Lugnaquilla, um, only missing John Lennon's record <laughs> by four seconds. And would I be right in saying that that result, that performance, as well as Italy, of course, as well, it was probably a reflection of the couple of months that you had as a pro athlete in what you described as the furlough pro. <laughs> and was it from maybe March to May or June, maybe? Um, tell us about what the furlough pro meant for you and, and how you took that decision. Well, it was whenever at the start of the whole pandemic when countries were shutting down and then when the governments over here in the UK and Ireland were announcing that they would be 
you know, they were lock, they were closing down the country for. Uh, it was at the start, if I remember right, it was three weeks, and I on the eve of the announcement, I went into work the next day and. I was told that I'd be placed on furlough for minimum three weeks. So I knew straight away I have three weeks here of training. That was the first thing that came into my mind. It wasn't anything else. I was thinking, right, I've got three weeks of no work. I've got a chance to get fit here and just, as I say, live, like, live the life of a pro. But as, as it went on and the furlough was being extended for two to three months and there was no real indication of me going back to work anytime soon, I just, I just... So I talked talk it over with my coach and I just thought right now is the time to get some serious training in and to really build a base because at, at, the, at the start we didn't know how many races were going to be cancelled. We, we all thought you know, once this is over we'll be grand, we'll be able to maybe go and race in July and August without any, any problems. But whenever I'd say six or seven weeks in I was really starting to feel fit starting to really feel the benefit of the training coming on although oh, I, I did increase my mileage a bit I, because I didn't have the, the stress of going to work every day I was able to do all the things that a pro athlete would do normally you know have an afternoon nap spend more time stretching and just general things that you would never do because maybe you don't have the time to do it just with being at work maybe eight or nine hours a day and um just the quality of my sessions was better. I was able to knock out maybe if I'd done a tempo session on a Saturday, I was able to do a hill run on a, on a, on a Wednesday or a Thursday and do another session on a Saturday and with a long run on a Sunday. I was able just to constantly knock out consistent weeks. And I think I had 14 weeks where I was averaging maybe between 95 and 100 miles a week. Wow, and that's on the mountains as well. So that's an incredible training block. Um, I, I've heard you say before, Zach, as well, that you really wish that you could become a full-time runner. You were for that period of time. Do you think it might be a possibility to to continue to be a full-time runner or, or to have the chance to do it over the coming years? What level do you think you might need to get to before maybe you get offered a full-time professional contract? Or are you happy with the, with the balance maybe that you have now? The, the job is back. You can still train. You're not 100% focused on running because you often hear a lot of athletes who say that they become a full-time athlete, but they just become obsessed with running and it can be quite negative as well. So what, what are your thoughts on that, Zach? I think in the grand in the grand scheme of things, yes, I would is something I would love to do. If I was ever given the opportunity to become a full time athlete, I would grab it with both arms. Like I would never turn down that opportunity. Yes. Like over the last over the three months off work, it really it gave me an insight as to what life would be like if I was and at that and if I did have the opportunity. Where it would say, well, obviously you might have a bit more travel involved, going to training camps and maybe racing, but yeah, at the I'm working full time at the minute. Well, I'm not. I'm actually back working three days a week now. Okay. Uh, but it means then the other two days I'm still like I focus on my running. But during when I am working, I do still run twice a day. I go out in the morning with my dog. My dog would maybe do. My dog covers about forty miles a week with me at the minute. Yeah, and. 
I'm able to do a short, easy run in the morning and then a run in the evening, maybe a bit longer. Sometimes I would do a session. And as you talked about, uh, some athletes become obsessed with running whenever they're professional. I don't think I would have that problem because I, where I live, I live up on the side of a mountain in the Dramara Hills in Northern Ireland. And it's quite, I have lots to keep me busy. I can, a lot of the time in the evening, after I had done my two runs and after dinner, I was always going for a walk in the evenings through the fields. And uh, I think if, you, if you've always got something else to keep you occupied whenever you're not running, that's a big, big help. It's like work at the minute is another distraction from running, but which mentally is quite refreshing sometimes, but you always have that way inkling in the back of your head that just, you know, the full-time running would just be a dream come true. Yeah, well, it sounds ideal, the, the location where you're at, Zach. And I know, for example, in Spain, I've mentioned it a couple of times in the podcast before, that there's quite, there's quite a lot of professional trail runners in Spain that have the support of the big brands like Nike and Adidas. And Pablo Villa that we had on episode two, he's a full-time Adidas trail runner. Have you reached out at all to, to any of the brands? I know I think you're you're sponsored by Salomon, I think, at the moment. Have you made any any approaches to Salomon or any companies about becoming a, pre- a professional athlete? Or do you think maybe you need to go up one more level before you might get that contract, like a lot of runners on the continent? Unfortunately, I think in the UK and Ireland, there's very few professional deals. But you see a lot more in Spain and France and maybe Italy as well. Uh, I, I, I would think that the second point you made there about moving up a level, I think that would be the best way to describe it. I don't, I don't think that at the minute I'm at that stage where going professional is maybe the best thing because I'm yet to reach my peak. I haven't yes. really... And if you look at me compared to some athletes, they've achieved more than me. The better results than me and yet they're not professional so if they're not professional with what they're achieving that shows you how hard it is to actually get that deal over the line to be a, to be a pro um i'm still i'm only in the sport four years i've hopefully i have many years ahead of me to, to get to that stage but at the minute i think it's a case of me just learning more about the sport becoming a better runner becoming a better racer getting more results and just enjoying the process of at this stage of my development as a runner, um, I'm 24. Hopefully, as I say, I'm many years ahead of me, and I'm just looking forward to seeing where this journey takes me. And if at any stage in my career I do have that opportunity to sign a, a contract and live like a pro athlete, you know that'll be a journey. I'll be a journey, a journey worth worth doing. You know. Yeah, well, it sounds like, Zach, I think you're in a real sweet spot at the moment because, you know, you're, you're 24, you, you're beginning to get that, well, you have that vital experience now from racing internationally over the last couple of years, your body's getting stronger and stronger, and it's going to continue to get stronger as well, so, you know, I'm sure your expectations are very high, and anybody that sees your own you know, I think is very excited about what you can do um, for yourself, for, for Ireland as well, for, for your club back home as well. I, I think there's going to be some great results over the next couple of years. And I know with Pablo that I mentioned earlier on, like he only got his big full-time Adidas contract 
in his late 20s, just only last year. And he only got that after he won UTMB, for example. Um, so, yeah, it might take a big win or a big podium and maybe even another two or three years. But with a bit of luck, hopefully that pro contract will come for you, Zach, as well. Um, you've made a fantastic, fantastic transition, Zach, from cycling, as, a, as you mentioned, with various podiums in national junior races, um, a fantastic transition to, to mountain running. Is there any overall general tips that you can give to people listening, maybe people that are just starting out on their mountain running journey as well and transitioning in from other sports? What would be, say, your, your top two or three tips to, to people starting off, like you were only four years ago, as you said? Uh I would say the one tip, well, the one thing that I did whenever I was transitioning to running was I made sure that um, I was in the right, I got into the right environment with my club who were, whenever I started off, I, when I joined Newcastle, they, they at the time, any time you would hear about hell running or fell running around where I live, Newcastle are always the club at the forefront of it all. All their athletes were always winning races. So I knew that that was the club to go to in terms of to get experience for mountain running. And when I when I went to my first club session and they knew that I was interested in running the hills, they put me in touch with a lot of the older runners in the club, the veterans of the sport. And the advice that they gave me was second to none. You know, they really, really helped me get find my feet in the sport. They were taking me into the mornings every weekend, showing me all these different routes of where I could use from training, giving me advice on how to race how to train, and uh, yeah, the, the club environment is very important, I think, in terms of finding, starting out in the sport, because you have everyone, you have people in the club who have been running all their lives, and there's nothing, there's no such thing as bad advice, in my opinion, come when a runner's been at, at the sport that long, like, you need all the help you can get to get you going, and I think maybe another tip would be to, don't set out, don't be expect, don't be setting out to, Take the sport seriously so early, so early on. It's important, so important to enjoy the sport. If you don't enjoy it, every run becomes a chore. And in the end, it, it, it's the same way cycling became for me. It became a chore towards the end of it, and I just there's no enjoyment. And now that I've found running, and I don't think at any stage since I've started running, I haven't enjoyed the sport. Um, just going to show you when you enjoy what you're doing. It makes everything so much easier and when you have that enjoyment and you're out running with friends and you're exploring different routes, maybe it's around home, it can be a different country, that sort of thing's unbeatable. It just shows you the opportunities that you have in running if you do so happen to take that risk and start racing and if you find out you're quite good at it, again, there's so many chances you, you have to travel the world with running and yeah, it's a case of enjoyment. Number one, get yourself into a good running club or into a training group that's going to help you develop as a runner. Number two, enjoy it. And number three, uh, oh, number three, be invest in a good pair of running shoes. Yes. You know yourself, Owen, it's, uh, the amount of shoes you go through in running is, is serious. And especially with the mountains, the shoes take a lot more abuse than what they would on the road. So a good pair of trail runners or mountain running shoes, get yourself a good pair of shoes and that shoe set. Uh, you can tackle any terrain with the right pair of shoes. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen you loyal to your Solomon shoes over the last couple of years, uh, and they've always served you well, Zach. And and I know from being on trips with you as well with the Irish team that from from observing you from from afar, there, there was no secrets. Um, you know, sitting down at dinner with you, you were just eating vegetables and meat. There was no fancy diets, and and one thing that I always remember is that. You know, even the day after, the, the night after a race where, you know, maybe five or six years ago, I, I would have seen a lot of lads um, celebrating uh, post-race, going out late into the night, um, enjoying the party and, you know, just wrecked the next day where I know I've seen you on Irish trips get get to bed pretty early after after an important world championship or European championship race. And you're out running early the next day and loving every minute of it. So maybe I might add that to, to the keys to your success is just keeping <laughs> it simple, eating good, healthy food, as I've seen you do, and uh, and not destroying your body off the mountains as well, looking after yourself and getting out and enjoying those runs, as I've seen you do with your, with your mates on the Irish team over the last couple of years. Yeah. No, as I say, I, I don't drink alcohol, so that getting drunk is no problem to me I can easily go away and not not get carried away as I've seen certain athletes do over the years yeah um, yeah as I say I, I, I don't I do like after a race I do like to go out and go out and usually there's an athlete's party after it's good to go out and just see everyone when they're not relaxed they're not in race mode it's it's good just to get out and get the head shard and uh, yeah as I say going to go in the bed early especially when you're in the countries that you've never been to before like last year in the european championships in zermatt like the next morning i mean some of the junior athletes we get up i think our flight we were leaving to go to the airport at maybe 10 a.m we were up at 5 30 a.m and we went out and we done i think it was maybe 90 minutes up on the trails behind zermatt and to see the sunrise coming up over the back of the matterhorn was something absolutely unreal like you would never see that, in my opinion, you would never see that type of uh, environment when you're racing on the road or the track. It's just, that's the sort of, that's the sort of special things a mountain running can give you. And I don't intend to let any of those chances ever pass me by. As you say, waking up the next morning hungover, you can't really go for it. It's hard to go for a run, but when you wake up fresh, ready to go, maybe just a bit battered after the race, you know, those are the, those are the things that you remember about running. That's really yeah. something else. But well, listen, we're, we're talking about running for Ireland, and just to let the listeners know what you've done for Ireland, Zach. In your first um, race in the World Championships, you came seventy sixth. The next time you went out, you moved up to fifty second, forty seventh, and thirty fifth in Argentina last November. And in the European Championships, you've jumped from fifty third the first time around up into the top twenty in Europe, nineteenth. Is there any of those World Championships or European Championship races that stand out for you? Uh, yeah, well, I would say obviously the first one would stick out for me. Uh, it was my, I'd only been in the sport maybe six, seven months before I'd done the trial and I won the trial and got onto the team. So making sure. the team for the first time was an incredibly, incredibly proud moment. Um, never at the start did I think I'd be running for, uh, running for Ireland, but it was a, an eye opener when you see the standard of athletes that compete at world level, and when you're on the team with veterans of the Irish team, such as Brian McMahon, Ian Conroy, and Brian Fury, you know, you can only take, they're always passing on their, their tips to you. They, 
this is how world might run is. This is what it takes to be up there with the best. And I just added fuel to the fire as to this is what I need to do to be up there. And then I would say the, the first time breaking into the European top 20 was was like, that was the moment when I said, right, this is this is a breakthrough race. This is now's the time to put the head down and see how far I really can go in the sport because I think it might have been Ireland's highest finish in the European Championship in recent years. So that was quite encouraging, knowing that I had achieved that sort of that, that result. And especially it was an up and down course, which don't really suit me as such. The uphills would suit me better. Yeah. But it was one of them days where everything came together. The body felt good and the rate the course suited me. And just one of those days, everything clicked. And yeah, I was really, really proud of that moment. Well, I remember, um, Zach, the, the, the moment in the World Championships in 2018 when I realised how good and how strong you were. Um, I don't know if you remember the moment about maybe one kilometre towards the finish when myself and Mark Ryan had clawed you back over maybe the last five or six kilometres and we got tucked in right behind you. And, you know, I think oftentimes when we're away with the Irish team, our biggest competitors are our teammates because, you know, we want to make sure that we score for the team and we're in the top three positions. And whoever is the first man home for Ireland is always uh, something to aim for. And I'm sure Mark would have been thinking the same of himself. Oh, we're just at the catching Zach. Zach has been incredible the last two years, our number one runner. Maybe, maybe we can get in ahead of him here to the finish line. But in fairness to you, Zach, as soon as you saw me and Mark just tucked in behind you with about a kilometre to, to go, you just put on the boosters and you just rocked it home and finished comfortably ahead of myself and Mark in the end. And for me, it just showed how strong and determined you were at 22 years of age. It, it, was, it was a great performance that day and you've gone on and become even stronger and faster. I do remember that moment. Uh, that was... That was a very, very steep section of the course, if I remember right. Yeah, just before was, the end, Zach, yeah. Yep, yeah, that was incredible. Like I, I think maybe I went through a rough patch in the middle. If you remember, we ran through the, like, the sort of wooded section before we came on to the last kilometre, and I went through a real rough patch. wasn't feeling great. I think maybe the altitude was maybe getting them in the heat. But yeah, whenever I realised you two were behind me, it was like, uh, I got nervous. But when I don't know how I found the legs to carry it to actually get that kick in. But as you say, it's always a, a motivator to be the first Irishman home. And thankfully, I was first that day. But it was a great run from yourselves to claw me back. Uh, but it shows you your your it shows your strength and Mark's strength from running the mountains over the years that you can you're able to pace the race right. And it was a good result overall for the team that day. We had a very very strong team that year. It was a good day out um, all around, I remember. Um, Zach, what do you think in terms of this year? Um, I presume the World Championships in Lanzarote in November um, is on your, your race target list. Whether it goes ahead or not, who knows? But I presume you have that on your radar. Yeah, obviously the Walk the World is the biggest race of the year. You're always going to have that in your, on your radar. But I think at the minute with the, the amount of uncertainty and, and with races at the minute, it's there, it's, it's on my calendar, but at the minute I'm sort of looking short term because I don't want to get too caught up and focusing on the worlds and next thing that doesn't happen. 
So at the minute, it's a case of focus on what can be done in the next month or two months racing. And then I think once the official decision is made on the words that it's going ahead or it's not going ahead, then I'll be able to put on my focus in that race and hopefully come away with a good result should it go ahead. But hopefully it does. Like it wouldn't be the same. Not, it wouldn't be right having a one year where you don't put on that Irish singlet. It would be very, very weird. But the amount of athletes that sort of target the trial race to get selected for the team, there's quite a high number. So and there, with there's only been four spots in the team, like there's four athletes who want to have that honour of representing Ireland at a World Championships. And hopefully it goes ahead and we all do get that opportunity again, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed, Zach. Um, I know, Zach, yeah, last year you had a fantastic um, sixth finished in the World Mental Running Association's World Cup. And a lot of the races you're doing this summer are part of the Rimra um, World's um, Cup circuit as well. Over the next couple of years, do you think you'll stay on that circuit? Or have you had any thoughts about doing, say, any of the Sky Running Championships? Um, the new Spartan race series, which has big dollars behind it. You have the Ultra Trail World Tour as well. How do you see yourself progressing as an athlete over the next five years in terms of what mountain races you're going to do? Well, I'm still young at the minute. I wouldn't think that going into the, the longer races at the minute isn't on my radar. I'm, I'm, as I say... Sunday past was my longest ever race, 13 miles. And a lot of the longer races, as you talk about the Ultra Trail World Tour, Spartan race, they're all very, very long over the marathon distance. At the minute, I'm not ready for that. Uh, I think at the minute, the, world, the, mount, the mountain running World Cup circuit suits me at the minute because the races are anything between 10 and maybe 20K. So it's a, I'm st- it's a case of I need to learn how my body works over those distances before moving into the longer ones i i would some days love to move up to like say the marathon distance like for the the golden trail series for example a lot of their races are maybe 18 till marathon distance and i'll say that's over the next couple of years anyway that would be my, my target and uh in terms of five years we'll just have to see what happens when we get that far it's hard to really know how i'm going to perform but as you say, like some of those races do have the big money behind them, but at the same time, it's nice to have the money in the races and to get the prize money. But in reality, it's it's the love of the sport that I'm doing it for. You know, it's was it uh, I've heard I actually heard a saying there two weeks ago was a uh, for the love of the game, not the fame. And at the minute, that's what I'm uh, the enjoyment of it as as much as as what's getting me at the minute. Um, I think if I can prove myself over the shorter distances to start off with and consistently do that, then they'll move up the the big stuff. Might be in the cards, but who knows? Just have to wait and see. Yeah, Alison, it sounds like, you know, you have a a wise head on those young shoulders, Zach, and uh, wise words. And I might finish maybe with these wise words that you said a a couple of months ago as well. I think in an interview with the World Mountain Running Association, the mountains aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So just keep calm, weather the storm, and we will all come through this. And Zach, you've certainly come through the last couple of months in flying colours. You're stronger than ever. You've had some fantastic results over the last couple of weeks. Um, you've been putting Ireland on the map at a world level in terms of mental running over the last couple of years. 
And I've no doubt uh, that you're going to get bigger and stronger and those results will just keep on and um, coming and coming. And I know certainly you have the, the whole of the Irish mountain running community behind you. So listen, Zach, thanks a million for coming on the podcast this week and all the best with the rest of the season. Thank you very much, Owen. Hopefully I'll see you in the future some stage and hopefully we'll be in Lanzarote together. Yeah, definitely, Zach. Talk to you soon, mate. All the best. All the best. Bye-bye.